0: Hey everybody, welcome to Yana's Nirvana. I'm currently um, working in one of my jobs, delivering pizzas. Um, so the recording might be a little different than it usually is, and I know I've been gone for quite some time. Um, I, consistency um, is something that I am striving to get better at, but... It is one of my weaknesses. Um, so anyway, uh, tonight I want to talk about, um, police brutality and police reform, um, and kind of, like, my opinion on it and I feel like my unprofessional, <laughs> my unprofessional opinion and, like, some ideas of what I think should happen, um, and, uh, next episode or later on in this episode, depends on how I'm feeling, I might feel froggy, um, and just go, go into, um, this list I made a while ago, uh, while reading the book Me and White Supremacy, Uh, I made a list about, like, my white privileges, like, what my white privilege affords me. Um, so, I just want to, like, read off that list and, um, so, yeah, let's get into it. Um, I, you know, growing up, I've always heard of police brutality, but I guess I never really, um, grasped the reality of the situation until this summer, um, on May 25th. Um, and like I've mentioned in the first episode, um, that was the death of George Floyd. And, you know, once I saw that, video, um, and still thinking about it, I, I get sick to my stomach and after I saw that video, um, I told myself that I really should not, you know, keep watching those videos, uh, of black death, um, because for whatever reason, for whatever reason, um, it is an entertainment um, in today's society. Like it's you know videos of black death it it goes viral and yes it, it is good to spread awareness of the fact and the reality of the situation but it's also used as a you know it's seen as a not consciously seen as a form of entertainment, but I think subconsciously, you know, I'm kind of, kind of just. This is just my opinion. Uh, I have read, it, I read it somewhere where, um, you know, it's it's become almost a form of entertainment, and it needs to not be, you know, because death in general is not is not you know appropriate. Um, to be watched like that, you know, and especially for, um, black indigenous people of color. Um, and like I said earlier, it's, it's good to get, it's good to raise the awareness. Um, but it also, I think the fact that these videos go viral, it also kind of desensitizes, um, the mass the mass, uh, society from the death itself. Uh, because I know, I know like me, I have there, I have been silent, um, on several, several situations before George Floyd. Um, like I would see the video and I, do, I wouldn't really like, I guess I wouldn't really understand the, the weight of the situation. I'm like, yes, I'd be like, yeah, that's wrong. Of course, nobody, nobody deserves to die, um, like that. But I was also, um, kind of, uh, led to believe that there was a reason, you know, um, there was a reason for that police officer to act like, like they did, uh, because of the household I grew up in. And so Uh, I'm going to take a little break and I will continue talking about this subject when I get back in the car. For my job to give us the hoodies that we have, or that we're supposed to be getting soon. I am extremely ready. Okay. So as I was saying earlier, um, always uh led to believe that there must have been a good reason a justifiable reason for that police officer to hurt and kill or maim um the person the victim Um, especially when it was a person of color and, you know, that, that's, that's ingrained, that's ingrained in white people literally our whole lives. We're made to fear the black body You know, it's, it all has to do with white supremacy and the evils of that, and I'll get into white supremacy, like I've said, I'll get into that on a different day, um, a different episode, uh, because what I have to say on it is a lot. Um, okay, so police brutality, um, I started learning more about it. Um, And really like opening my eyes to the reality of it after um, the death of George Floyd. And I also uh, learned about uh, Breonna Taylor's case and uh, Ahmaud Aubrey's, although Ahmaud Aubrey's wasn't police brutality, it was a Self-proclaimed vigilantes, um fucking asshole racists. Um for that's a better term for them. Um but anyway, um so I thoughts together Um, okay I don't have any notes with me I just like wanted to talk about this because it's definitely something that needs to be talked about And you know police brutality it doesn't it doesn't just happen to uh, black indigenous people of color but it does Happen disproportionately to um, Black people, especially. Um, it also happens to uh, people of Hispanic descent and um, or Latinx, Latina, Latinx um, descent. And I apologize if I am being insensitive terminology, I'm definitely still in the learning stages of all of this, um, so, yes, um, so, trying to pass me, no, no, I was just a light, From um, anyway, um, I realize this is just like five minutes to me Started listening to this podcast that's based out in out of Nashville, um, which is um, like an hour north of myself, and I learned of a police brutality um, case that happened in 2018, and it was the victim was Daniel Hambrick, and uh, the police officer's name I can't I don't remember. Um, but the situation, uh, the encounter, the altercation, the shooting, that's what it was, a police shooting, um, you know, the police officer shot Daniel in the back as Daniel was running away from him. And Daniel, I'm pretty sure if I, if my memory is right, he was in the was in the like parking lot of his own apartment complex and apparently the police officer had been following Daniel Hambrick um, for a while like he had been following him that day like in every turn Daniel took uh, the police officer would follow him and so eventually Daniel started driving faster and the police officer just kept tailing him um, it was really sad really sad story because you know Daniel was um, according to his family members and loved ones uh, he was such a sweet sweet kind, did have a bit of a troubled past, but he was always trying to better himself from his like past mistakes and stuff. And you know, that's, that's like all of us. We're all trying to learn from our mistakes and get better. Um, and that's all we can do really is just, uh, continually strive to do better. Uh, but anyway, um, Apparently, the police officer thought of Daniel as a, as a threat, although Daniel was running away from him. Excuse me, I'm getting a little choked up. Um, but. I'm going to shout out that, the name of that podcast so you can get like uh, all, the, all the facts of the story and stuff. But, you know, it kind of made things that much more of a reality to hear a case that happened, you know, basically right down the street, um, you know, relatively like in my in my neck of the woods, I guess you could say, um, because, you know, there's that saying that's like, oh, it's just one bad apple. But, you know, whenever you look into it, there's so many cases of police brutality on on minorities, um, especially, and it's just, you realize that, um, maybe it's not, um, just a few bad apples. But you know, what really gets me is the fact that, you know, people say that saying they they're like, uh, you know, it's just a few bad apples. Well, but there's also that saying it's almost like they forget that saying, you know, the rest of that saying a few bad apples spoils the bunch. So even if it is just a few bad apples, those bad apples lead to corruption in, in the rest of the organization, in the rest of the police department, wherever it may be, okay? So let's go back to the fucking beginning of, you know, police in the United States. That's slave patrols, okay? Okay. Um, slave patrols were made to, uh, made by the white man to catch, um, escaped slaves. And it would also, it would often lead to public hanging of, of the, the, um, slaves that attempted to escape. And then, um... yeah, so like police brutality is not a new thing. The only thing that is new in the situation is the video. And so, and like the quality of the video and the ability for something to go viral. Um, and you know, even then people don't, don't believe or don't see the reality of the situation. And uh, I'm getting a little jumbled up in my thoughts. Um, so there was the race riots, um, that started in the sixties. Um, A pause. Then <laughs> it escaped me. Okay, so going back to something about police brutality. Cold. Oh my. Okay. Um. houses, but good ass tips. Um, all right. So, as I was saying, going back to, uh, police brutality and the saying, a few, a few bad apples spoils the bunch. Well, there was article released, man, several years ago, actually, that the FBI suspected white supremacy groups and hate groups, racially charged hate groups, especially, to have had infiltrated the police departments. And I think it's, I'm going to go back to that thought, but I think that it's really shitty that the federal government and even the state government really has no say in how the police do their policing in each city. It's literally the city's government. And I don't even think it's that. I think it's just the police department is, like, its own entity. Like, really, they are in charge of themselves, I think. Um, And, you know, I don't have sources um, on hand. (laughs) But uh, you can Google anything I'm saying and... It up with evidence um but also if i'm wrong on any of this stuff let me know i don't i'm not afraid of being told um i'm wrong or you know i'm not afraid of being corrected but uh as i was saying the fbi uh suspected and like infiltration by white supremacy hate groups And you know what they did about it? Jack shit, jack shit. And why? Well, because uh, white supremacy and uh, white supremacy groups and and hate groups probably infiltrated the FBI too, and the government. Um, most definitely. You know, considering the white, the fucking government is majority white, old white men. There's something going on there. And that also goes into my thought, that goes into conspiracy theory about uh, the Masons and like the Freemasons and the Eastern Stars like and like those groups. If the Illuminati is real, that's who they are. And And that's this is not like revolutionary information that I am spitting out like other people have said this as well but I was just agreeing with the fact that that's probably what it is Um, uh, there's a lot of levels in the Freemason thing and there's a lot of secrecy Um, and it's a lot of white people like I went to a Masonic Lodge for a party one time, like a New Year's party, and yo, it was a bunch of white men wearing these triangles on, on necklaces, and it was scary. Pretty, pretty scary. I did not feel comfortable once I saw those pictures of all those white old men, old men, old women. Um, and so anyway, as I was saying, the FBI didn't do anything about the infiltration and, you know, the infiltration, I think in, in my opinion, most definitely happens when, um, you know, police the police force started in the United States because it started as slave patrol. (laughs) So really uh, police have just been corrupt from the, from the get go, you know? And like, yes, there, there are arguments and there are for, there are arguments for, you know, there are some good people. There's some good people who are in the blue, who are part of the blue uh, uniform. And yes, I definitely agree. There are definitely some great people who are are really trying their damnedest to make a difference in the police force and actually do what the police, you know, to protect and serve, what they're actually supposed to do, to protect and serve, not shoot and judge or judge and shoot, you know, they are in no, they're not judges. They're not on the Supreme court. They're, they're not, you know, part of the court system unless, you know, they are leading in the jury or some shit. You know, there's, there's some, there's some police officers that are a part of, you know, courts in some form of fashion. You know what I mean? You've seen, you know, law and order. And maybe if you're listening to this, you've been in the court, in a courtroom. I know I have. Um, And so, you know, like you've, you know, the, there's like two or three police officers that are like standing around doing something. I don't know what they're doing. Uh, But anyway, they're not the judge. They have no right to judge whether or not a person is guilty, whether or not they deserve punishment um, while they are um, barging into someone's home to go to Brianna Taylor's case. And, you know, that case, the way it ended, absolutely infuriated me. But was I surprised? No. Because it's happened like that several times. The death of black indigenous people of color, but specifically black people, goes unjustified. Like, un... Yeah. That's what I, th- I think that's what I'm trying to say. It goes without consequences for the person who kills them often, more, more often than not. And it's just, oh, oh, and the, the, um, the significance of the Daniel Hamrick, one of the part, a significant part of the Daniel Hamrick case that the one that comes out of Nashville is that that is the first time i think it was in in tennessee that a police officer was charged with murder and apparently that case still isn't done it still hasn't like gone through and it was supposed to happen this summer or it was supposed to happen this year but covid happened and so they had to pause and so it's still waiting to be completely finished Yeah, I realize I have jumped around on several different topics while I was just trying to talk about white supremacy being a part of the police force. <laughs> um, but yeah, undoubtedly, undoubtedly there is part, there are hate groups and white supremacists, um, that are a part of the police force because there's, there has been pictures that have gone viral on the internet showing police officers holding up, you know, white power, uh, signs or like yelling at protesters, you know, like white power, fuck you, uh, kind of shit. Um, so, yeah. So, at this point, I'm sure you're all wondering... Yana, what do you think about police reform? So, I am definitely for reformation, but I think there needs to be um, implicit bias tests given to all of the. Um, and like, like I've said earlier. Uh, This needs to happen in the initial stages of them becoming a police officer during their uh, initial training. There needs to be implicit bias tests given out so the higher ups of the police department know um, what they're dealing with and what kind of training each officer needs to get that bias reduced as much as possible. Um so, so that would be a um start to uh the reform. But also I think um though we may be fine, Um, if reform doesn't work, if all the things that they are attempting to do in this, in this day and age with police reform, um, I think it needs to be all taken out and just thrown away, thrown in the trash and create something totally different that communities actually need. And there are some cities and I really like this idea. I admire it. There are some, there are some cities that have community, uh, what is the word? They have community protection programs. Where there's like a group of people who are not police officers and they uh they have community engagement uh and they get the community really um involved and they have programs for the youth that you know involves activity instead of drug use and because, yeah. Anyway, so, and crime rate in those cities has exponentially gone down. I heard this on NPR, um, NPR segment. Uh, also, the podcast. It's called Deadly Force, and it's an NPR segment as well. You can find it on Spotify. I think you can just type in Deadly Force, and it'll show up. Um, actually, let me, let me check real quick. I knew we may be part of. Excuse me. Okay, yeah. So it says it's called Deadly Force WPLN News Investigates. So that's a good one. Oh, yay. This podcast that I follow on Spotify just updated after several months of not being updated, and I'm actually pretty happy about that. Um, because so I've been missing out on her podcast, I've been like missing it. Um, so anyway, Deadly Force by WPLA News and biscuits Check that podcast out. And so, yeah, I am definitely for community protection programs. Um, I think it would really kind of turn the tables and put the community back in charge. And it would also help communities get closer together, um, really get to know each other because nowadays communities are so separated, Um, especially now with COVID-19, you know, people are more isolated and they're just not really uh, friendly to one another. Um, And I think I'm definitely going to do a podcast over that do a podcast episode over that um i actually got to go get gas in my brother's car before i take it back to him i was going to but then i realized um so i don't know why i keep doing this accent or just different accents but i mean that's kind of just how we talk anyway so so Oh, yeah, just the fact that I think this community engagement or the community protection programs that are in some cities is a really fantastic idea. communities closer together and the oh god oh god I really hope I did not just run over that rabbit poor bunny foo-foo little bunny foo-foo Boo was running across the road <laughs> okay okay I need to stop this podcast is already probably this episode is probably really freaking long because it's 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 gone into totally like a bunch of different top uh, a bunch of different segments Um, but anyway I hope you followed along and I hope I got some points across Uh, I hope I got my opinion across clearly and all that jazz Um, so Yeah. Oh, and you know the, the term "a ACAB, all cops are bastards? When you want to be down low, on the down low with it, or if you just, like, see a cop or something like that, you're kind of somewhere that you maybe don't want to. speak too much of your mind, you can just go, a sub. <laughs> because it's more, it, you know, it's like the fancy version of, all well, cops are bastards. Oh, yeah. And I was saying earlier how there are great people that are a part of the police force. Yes. I have listened to several NPR segments. Um, that, you know, take personal accounts and, like, they have interviews with police officers who, you know, are doing their best to um, change uh, their own, how their own department runs things. But they also, in those interviews, they also say that racism is rampant in the, in those, the, in the, the departments, and so, it's just a battle of power, it's a power struggle, basically, and so, although there are, you know, several great people across the nation, in the world, that, um, are doing their best to actually, do right by their community by being in the police force. I feel as if there are too many bad apples because they're spoiling the whole damn bunch. And they need to go. I think there definitely needs to be implicit bias tests given um, to like given right now to the police to the people who are in the police force as well as people about to go into the police force. So the ones who are already in the police force, they can receive training and maybe even take some time off to, to educate themselves on certain things, you know, and reduce that bias. And the ones that are coming in they they could have the opportunity to um not be so brainwashed um into believing that every every black man is a threat um because black men are not scary they are not scary just because of their skin color and in my opinion more white men are scarier like are scary to me than any people of color uh, because in my experience white men have hurt me the most in my life and uh, yeah it's just you know ingrained in me to think that you know a lone white man is going to hurt me more so than Alone, black man. Because in my life, I have loved uh, black men and been in serious relationships with them. And teddy bears. Honestly, is what I got to say about that. <laughs> just big old teddy bears. Um, so yeah. I'll be right back with the affirmations. So today, um, instead of doing an affirmation, I kind of want to like challenge you to do your own implicit bias test. Hello? What is that noise? I think it's a Gatorade bottle down there. Look up implicit bias test um, and take, take the test. There are several different types of tests um, that gauge your implicit bias. And implicit bias is, you know, a subconscious ideology um, based on a certain, based on what you, you know, subconsciously think about a certain group. It can be trans, uh, transgender people. It can be, um, black people, gay people, um, women, men. Um, there's, there's, uh, several different categories that you can take the implicit bias test for. Um, so take whichever you like, but I strongly encourage the one on with race. Hey there, everybody. Um, so I thought I recorded myself speaking on um, some of the most recent police brutality cases, such as uh, Jacob Blake and um, Walter Wallace. And Jacob Blake, um, he was shot in the back several times by a police officer um, as he was getting something out of his car and um, that um, I'm pretty sure he uh, made it out alive but he's paralyzed now Um, and then Walter Wallace he I think that's the most recent word that i've heard of he was at a protest and apparently he had a knife in his hand and the police officer just gunned him down and according to his family walter wallace was going through a mental health crisis and um that goes to that you know has me bring up this uh, the other situation that should have required a, or that required a mental health professional instead of a police officer, um, the man who, um, got shot, um, Rashard Brooks, um, he got shot at a windy drive through. Um, because he was... it says... Oh, okay, so apparently he was like intoxicated and tired or whatever. But I strongly believe that in most situations that police deal with, that mental health workers, mental health crisis workers, mental health professionals could deal with the situation a lot easier and have it come out to a good solution for everybody involved you know and have everybody go home at the end of the night and so I think police officers need to have uh, better training in empathy and de-escalation because they have de-escalation training already but it's nothing compared to um the training they get to get rid of a threat and to get rid of a threat they shoot to kill basically and the the podcast deadly force by NPR goes into goes deeper into police training So you can check that out to get more of the facts and details on that. Um, but yeah, I think they should have, in the initial part of their training, I think they should have mental health professionals come in and teach them about different ways that they can, um de-escalate a situation with someone going through a mental health crisis, and they then after they become a police officer, that ter- training should be continual, in my opinion, um, because there are so many different mental health situations and mental health crises situations that just one form of de-escalation with that situation or just a couple forms of that, of de-escalation for for all those different type of situations is not, I feel like isn't um, good enough. And so, yeah. Um, But also I think You know how usually there's two police officers in one patrol car? I think there needs to be one police officer and one mental health professional in the car. And the mental health professional can go through the academy as well, you know, and, like, get the training for defense and stuff. Or they could just do ride-alongs. Um but I guess they would probably need some sort of badge or I don't know. I I guess it could be a totally different, like part of a totally different program, but it's also part of the police department. Um, you know, there would have to be some logistics into like going into that. Uh, but I'm just, you know, I've been spitballing for I guess this whole, this whole episode. (laughs) But, yeah, those are just uh, some of my thoughts on how we could solve some of this stuff. So, yeah. For today's episode, I challenge you to take an implicit bias test. And you can find it by just Googling implicit bias test. And there's several different categories um, to test your implicit bias. Um, And I encourage you to take the one that has to do with race. And um, there's like, there's a transgender one. There's a gay one. There's a women and men one. Um, But yeah, I encourage you to take all of them. But also but, uh above all uh, the one on race, just because that's you know really a crucial matter in that needs to be that needs to be dealt with. I took one in college, and I took another one a few months ago. But I'm also going to take another one, take another implicit bias test. And I'll come back um, with my results um, in the next episode, as well as um, my list of um, white privilege shit. So um, come back.